It's Monday, December the 27th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, catch up, South Africa mourns Archbishop Tutu, and Omicron cases cause travel misery. First, the world in brief. South Africa's government announced a week of events to commemorate Archbishop Desmond Tutu, who died on December 26th, aged 90. The veteran opponent of apartheid and winner of the Nobel Peace Prize will lie in state for two days before his state funeral on January the 1st. Archbishop Tutu was often called the country's, quote, moral conscience. In the 1990s, he ran the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, which tried to tackle the effects of racial division in South Africa. Surge in COVID-19 cases, driven by the Omicron variant, wreaked havoc on holiday travel around the world. More than 2,400 flights were cancelled on Sunday because of airline crews testing positive. American and Chinese airlines were hit the hardest. Anthony Fauci, America's top medical advisor, warned that cases will continue to rise in the coming days. The Taliban dissolved the two commissions that used to administer Afghanistan's elections, having deemed them, quote, unnecessary. They also disbanded state ministries for peace and parliamentary affairs. Given a looming food crisis, economic meltdown and the near collapse of the health system, the move is unlikely to cheer Afghans or lessen resistance to Taliban rule. Israel's cabinet voted to pay for the building of 7,300 new settler homes in the Golan Heights, territory which it annexed in 1981. The plan which includes funds for infrastructure, will cost $317 million over the next five years. The new housing is intended to attract 23,000 new inhabitants, adding to the 25,000 settlers who are already present. Save the Children suspended operations in Kaya State, eastern Myanmar, after two of its staff disappeared in an attack on Friday. The charity, as well as local opposition and human rights, said that Myanmar's armed forces had killed more than 30 people, including children. The military junta had struggled to maintain control since seizing power in February. In his annual Christmas message, Pope Francis called for renewed public attention to be paid to the suffering of people in long-running wars in Iraq, Syria and Yemen. He said that widespread misery in other places, including Afghanistan and Myanmar, are widely neglected too. And fact of the day. 11%. The share of saffron for sale within the EU that may be counterfeit. And now here's today's agenda. The world in 2022. Modi wants happy returns on India's birthday. This week we are looking ahead to next year's big stories. Today, 
what will be shaping Asia. India will celebrate its 75th year of independence on August the 15th. But its 1.4 billion people will stumble into 2022 with a sense of unease. In the past two years, more than 3 million have died from COVID-19. Lockdowns caused the economy to flatline. Thankfully, as the vaccination programme speeds up, it should return to long-term growth trends. More worrying is the health of Indian democracy. The Bharatiya Janata Party of the Prime Minister Narendra Modi has learned to win by stirring Hindu majority fears against the Muslim minority. The most populous and politically weighted state, Uttar Pradesh, votes in February. It is ruled by Yogi Adityanath, a fiery Hindu priest picked by Mr Modi. Defeating him will require a group of small opposition parties to unite. But India's opposition, including its main party Congress, is in disarray. If it cannot unify, it could be too late to stop Mr Modi gaining a third term in 2024. The world in 2022. China's enduring zero-Covid policy. China is the last large country with a zero-Covid policy. That means a single case can lead to city-wide testing and lockdown, and most foreigners are being kept out. Those allowed in must spend at least 14 days in strict hotel quarantine. Such draconian measures will persist for much, if not all, of 2022. The Communist Party has several important events it does not want disrupted by outbreaks, including the Winter Olympics in February and the annual session of China's rubber stamp parliament in November. When Xi Jinping is expected to be confirmed as the country's leader for at least another five years. Aside from this, Any change to its COVID elimination message would be embarrassing. No foreign vaccines have been approved, even though homegrown ones are less effective against the Delta variant, let alone Omicron. And it will be hard to convince people that living with the virus is not as scary as the party has long been claiming. The world in 2022. Southeast Asia's tourism gambit. In 2019, the last normal year for travel, tourism supported some 42 million jobs in Southeast Asia, or 13% of total employment, contributing 12% of GDP. The pandemic changed that. The UN reckons regional GDP may have declined by 8.4% in 2020 as a result of reduced tourism. So, in 2022, expect more countries in the region to experiment with the Thai concept of a, quote, sandbox. In July, Thailand began to allow fully vaccinated tourists to frolic quarantine-free in a resort where most of the residents are also double-jabbed. Indonesia, for example, will make it easy for international travellers to visit island destinations such as Bali, even as it retains stronger restrictions elsewhere. Vietnam will welcome travellers to Phu Quoc Island's long sandy beaches. 
Cambodian tour operators want a sandbox for Siam Reap, deep inland to allow visitors to enjoy Angkor Wat's temples. It won't quite be tourism as usual, but it will be a start. The world in 2022. Kashida's underwhelming plans for Japan. When Kashida Fumio became leader of Japan's governing Liberal Democratic Party in September, and thus the country's new prime minister, he promised big-sounding changes. They included a, quote, new model of capitalism to reduce economic inequality. But his prescriptions look more like tweaks to the safety net than a revolution. Having led the party to victory in lower house elections, he must repeat the feat in the upper house in the summer to avoid becoming a short-term prime minister. Japan's priority will be controlling COVID-19 and reviving the ailing economy. High vaccination rates will help with the first, but boosting growth is harder. Inflation remains stubbornly low. With interest rates at rock bottom, monetary policy options will remain limited. In November, the government unveiled a stimulus package with a new spending equivalent to 5.7% of GDP. Yet it includes lots of cash handouts of the sort that were saved, not spent, in 2020. It may not have the impact that the government hopes to see. Winter Quiz, Week 3 The battle with Aberistas continues. As in previous weeks, we'll serve you a new question each day. On Thursday, your challenge will be to give all four answers and tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 GMT on Thursday to editor-espresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Friday. Monday. Of what type of structure is the Danyang Kunshan the longest in the world? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Charles Olson, who was born on this day in 1910. What does not change is the will to change. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.